bonus episode of the Mystery Kids podcast, I'll be sharing some strange things in Oregon. Welcome to Mystery Kids podcast. Oregon, you will find the world's only Bigfoot trap. So this trap is a 10 by 10 foot wooden box, now bolted metal door. It wasn't originally a gimmick. It actually was made to try to catch Bigfoot. Members of the North American Wildlife Research Team built the trap in 1974. It was spurred on by an area miner named Perry Lovell, who told anyone who'd listened that he'd found an 18-inch long human-like track in his garden and had seen several large creatures roaming the area's forests. So Lovell's tales intrigued Roger Patterson, who had earlier stirred interest with footage of the blurry Bigfoot walking and looking at his camera. Patterson contacted the wildlife filmmaker Ron Olson. So after visiting the Applegate region, Olson selected a trap site near Lovell's reported sighting. After being issued a Forest Service special use permit, he and the others hauled material, including two by 12 foot metal planks that were bound together with metal bands and anchored to telephone poles to the site. Currently, it's only about three quarters of a mile from the road, but before the Applegate Dam the and the road were built, the trap site was actually in a remote place in the wilderness required a longer, more challenging hike along a hillside above Grouse Creek. So the researchers hoped to lure the big footed Sasquatch by placing rabbit, goat, and other carcasses inside the trap. So that meant they had to carry those carcasses all the way up there also because it was not close to the road. So when they entered, the heavy metal door was rigged to slam shut and the sound of alarm inside a nearby watchman's cabin would like a ring. The on-duty watchman would contact the researchers who would tranquilize, study, film, and tag the creature before releasing it. Depending on the source, the only captives were a bear or two and an angry hunter and a hippie. So that's the only thing that they caught, a bear or two, an angry hunter, and a hippie. In 1980, the trapdoor was permanently welded open so it wouldn't shut again. In 2005, the abandoned trap, already seriously falling apart, was nearly destroyed by a falling pine tree. So a year later, volunteers fixed the roof and replaced the floorboards. Since then, the trap has become more of a tourist attraction. Instead of Bigfoot, it lures hundreds of curiosity seekers something made easy because of the proximity of the new trail, the Collings Trail, which leads to crumbling remains in the old watchman's cabin. It's a pleasant walk alongside the Grouse Creek. How fun would it be to go explore this Bigfoot trap that is still there? So there are two lost lakes in Oregon. They're really cool to visit, but one literally becomes lost every spring by simply disappearing. Yes, this lake completely disappears in the spring. So the Lost Lake is located in Mount Hood National Forest. It's a beautiful active site that offers a number of outdoor activities where you can go camping, hiking, biking, and fishing. It's often mistaken for the other Lost Lake site, disappointing thousands of visitors each year who come to seek the mysterious disappearing lake. So make sure you don't make the same mistake.
the last lake we're looking for is located at Willamette National Forest in Central Oregon off of U.S. Highway 20. So it's near the town of Sisters again, which is apparently where we need to go because there's lots of things near Sisters. As winter peaks, the Lost Lake and its contributing stream flows nicely and the lake is full. Full because of the amount of water filling the lake is exceeding the rate that it's draining. But by spring, as the snow melts, decreases, the lake will begin to drain down a seven foot wide hole. So the hole can be that has been there for as long as people can remember. So it's this open lava tube. It's a very unique feature. So the geologists say the tube was created because of volcanic activity. So it starts to form like a slow drain. So like in a bathtub, if you have a bathtub, and you are filling the water, you know how you fill the water and you're filling it faster than it's draining. So it'll start to fill up even if the water's on. But say you like start filling it less and less and less with less water, then it will slowly start to drain away, right? So the where the water goes actually is still a mystery, but the geologists believe the water seeps into the porous subsurface, refilling the aquifer that feeds the springs throughout the cascade. So kind of this underlying water um, that keeps the water there all throughout the spring. So visitors have two options to visit and enjoy the Lost Lake. So you can some lodging options, but there's also the Lost Lake Campground, and it's a great way to check out the lake. So if you want to go, go to this campground. So practice caution if you go to visit it, especially near the drainage area, the hole is not stable. So don't try to go near the giant lava hole because you know we don't want anything dangerous to happen to you in fact people have tried to fill up the hole before using car parts engines and other debris to stop the flow so they kept trying to plug it up so that the lake would stay there all the time when it's full it's about a 79 acre watery place so when it slows down it literally drains into a teeny tiny stream so it, the hole is actually a seven foot wide hole and that's where all the water pours in. Definitely a place to go visit if you wanna see this lost lake. I will have pictures also on the website of this hole draining the lake. It's really cool. Hmm. I bet that would be really interesting to see like back in the day um, <laughs> where you're like this, like where's all this water just going to in the earth? Last up is this really cool little place called the Enchanted Forest, which is in Salem, Oregon. So this man named Roger Toft um, in the 60s, so 1960s, he had four young children and decided there wasn't a lot for the family to go see or do in Salem. So he had this really great idea for a theme park. So he used his creative talents and he didn't have a lot of time or money to make his dream a reality, but he kept going. So he purchased 20 acres of land off of the interstate for $4,000 in monthly payments of $50. And he began to construct in 1964, one bag of cement at a time. He repaired watches in his spare time to help finance his project and worked on building the park after working on weekends. Wow. Talk about dedication. The Toff's own backyard became filled with storybook figures and small buildings as Roger also used every spare second at home to work on his dream. 
everyone but Roger thought it was foolish to think that this idea could work. Roger's friends and co-workers used to tease him about his work on Idiot's Hill. That also seemed to be the bank's idea. Close to opening, Roger and Mavis needed $2,000 to put the last touches on the park in order to be able to open, but they'd run out of every single last dime. Their own bank would not loan them the money because, of course, the Toff family didn't have any cash. And only one bank took a chance on them and loaned them the money. So when they opened, Roger originally thought it would only take two years to build the storybook trail, which was the first section that he needed to complete before the park could open. Finally, after seven years, on Sunday, August 8th, 1971, Roger and his wife Mavis hung up a piece of butcher paper saying open on the fence, and the first visitors entered the park. Admission was $1 for adults and 50 cents for children. The starting wage was $1.65 per hour and five cents above minimum wage. There were 75 people on the first day and a thousand people the next Sunday. Roger's dream was finally a reality with Roger as the creative force and Mavis as the business head. So Roger quit his job with the state highway department after the Enchanted Forest section second season in 1973 when he was sure he'd be able to support himself and his family. So Mavis ran the business until she was diagnosed with cancer and passed the day-to-day operations of running the business to her daughters Susan and Mary when they were young adults. Mavis, though not active in the business anymore, has written several books about the Enchanted Forest and is still a busy writer. Throughout the years, Roger and his family have been adding to his dream with the new additions to the park. The Toftville Western Town was built in the second year. The Haunted House opened in 1974. The Comedy Theater was built for his daughter, Susan, who writes and directs the outrageous musical comedies based on fairy tales. The Ice Mountain Bobsled Roller Coaster was originally designed in 1983 as a roller coaster that floated along a 24-inch wide fiberglass tree track, but was redesigned two years later by Ascot Design when the original design proved too difficult to get visitors through fast enough. Following Ice Mountain, the construction began on the Old Europe Village with the Jolly Roger Waterlight Show in 1988. The original plan was to create the restaurant with a stage for daughter student to hold daughter Susan to hold her musical performances. But as the hillside was being excavated, the hillside that the building was being dug into looked like the perfect place for waterfalls. So two years later, the dazzling water light show opened with musical composed by and lights and water choreographed by the daughter Susan. It was so successful that no live performances were ever held on the stage. The second phase of Old Europe Village took several years to create and opened in 1993. Roger's son, Ken, brought the world of animatronics to the Enchanted Forest by designing and building all of the animatronic figures in this area. Roger's beautiful hand cement work can be seen in all of the sculpted old English buildings. So after the completion of the more artistic projects in Old Europe Village, it was dedicated that another big ride was needed. 
Phase three of Old Europe Village was delayed in favor of going up the hill to build the big timber log ride. So several years later and over budget, the log ride was finally opened to the public in 1996. So there were several attractions for adults and it was time for children again. So several kiddie rides were added like kiddie bumper boats, kiddie Ferris wheels, a frog hopper. In 2002, the attention went to the adult rides again and added crazy bumper cars. So Roger Toff, though still the ringleader of the Enchanted Forest, has successfully incorporated three of his children into the business, Susan, Mary, and Ken. According to Susan, this arrangement has worked quite well. We're very lucky. We get along because we're in charge of different projects and our areas don't overlap much. We work very well together. Roger's dream was finally reality when Roger is the creative force and Mavis as the business head. 50th anniversary of this fun park is celebrated August 8th, 2021. So some fun things to do or see. This is such a cute little park that I'd never heard of. So there's Storybrook Lane. So you go through the castle, you crawl through Alice's Wonderland rabbit hole and slide down the old lady who lived in a shoe slide. You enter a witch's castle through her mouth and slide out through her hair. It's the first area that was built in the Enchanted Forest and still contains most of Roger Toff's original creations with many childhood nursery favorites. So there's the Toftsville Western Town. Um, so it's got shooting gallery, uh, the timber log ride, Fort Fearless, the haunted house. Um, there's an old opera house. Then there's the old European village. That's where they've got an indoor target shooting ride. Um, there's a waterlight show. You can go to Pinocchio's Playhouse. Now there's the Fantasy Fountain Waterlight Show um, that we talked about that was built right into the side of the mountain. You can pan for treasure and try to find all the gold through panning. There's the comedy theater. There's tons of entertainment and music. And Roger still works there and continues to grow and create this wonderful park that he wanted for his kids that now is home to thousands and thousands of children that get to spend time in this amazing park. There's some more fun things that you can check out if you head to Oregon. We'll see you next time on the Mystery Kids Podcast. Thanks for listening.